they cheat you. They're, like there's a chapter in my new book that it's called So What? So it's like somebody lied to me. So what? What's the problem? Like, I'm not saying I'm going to allow it because what I'm teaching basically is maturity, being mature and responsible for your own mind. And once you see that the world, the world we're living, it's pretty immature. It's not wrong. So I don't, I don't, it's just immature because they're still living inside their mind in all these prisons. And if you don't put boundaries into immature people, they're going to walk all over you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Through Conversations podcast, a platform dedicated to exploring the truth through conversations with the most brilliant minds. Today, I'm joined by no other than Victor Levy, an accomplished author and former figure in the LA fashion industry, embarked on a transformative journey of self-discovery that shattered the illusion of his goal-oriented lifestyle. This profound realization became the catalyst for his inspiring best-selling book, one of my favorite books right now, Life is Setting Me Up for Success. Originally hailing from Mexico City, aquí somos dos mexicanos speaking in English, Victor Levy derives immense fulfillment from helping others uncover their inherent happiness, joy, and peace by unveiling their subconscious limitations. His profound interest in spirituality, philosophy, and health is a product of his extensive study and exploration of both ancient and modern disciplines. Through his writing, coaching, and movement classes, Victor seamlessly merges Eastern wisdom with contemporary practices, sharing his invaluable insights with a wide audience, which includes me. Victor, thank you for joining me today. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited for this conversation because... You're breaking paradigms in my mind. You're allowing me to explore my true self. And as you argue, a way to deprogram our subconscious to program it itself in a better way. So I'm interested in how you become, how did you become aware of this possibility? And what were the stepping stones into writing Life is Setting Me Up for Success in your trajectory? Yeah, well, you said how we can reprogram our subconscious. And to me, that's the wrong idea from the start, because to me, it's a reverse engineering process. So we have these stories in our minds that we're not enough, we're not accepted, we're not worthy. And that is the catalyst for all our thoughts and our actions. So to me, it's not a creation process, it's a dissolution process. We are dissolving the stories that we tell ourselves so we can enjoy our life as it is. And it's pretty amazing because I like to make this distinction because most people teach like personal growth or uh, personal development, which is about being more like your ego being more. I want to be bigger, stronger, faster. And to me, higher consciousness, it may look similar, but it's the opposite because the underlying perspective of higher consciousness is that there's nothing wrong. Everything is here. There's just something in the way, which is my mind and my programs that is not allowing me to experience everything as it is. So once you see that, it's a pretty cool change because you're not longer trying to change the world. You're just trying to remove what's on the way. And it implies that everything is cool as it is. So that distinction, it's like really different my work from like many of others because like I'm not interested in you to become bigger or better or manifest the life of your dreams. I'm interested in you to find happiness here and now, whatever the case. Because life is so du duality, so maybe sometimes you're going to be ahead, sometimes behind, sometimes the way 
you want things are going to happen. Sometimes they don't. But can you be at peace with everything and flow through the wild, flow through this amazing experience, just accepting everything as it is right now and, and, and learning and going through it? So that's more my message than like improving. Like it, it's really interesting because you touch on pretty much the building blocks of our modern economic system and our social system, which is accumulation builds greatness. Accumulation builds success. And you should always try to achieve more rather than subtract. And your approach is one that says, in fact, subtraction is more addition. Minus times minus is plus, which is really interesting. How did you become aware of this fault in your system? How, when was the first time you saw that, you know, all of these you can say quote-unquote scam which is i'm trying to add more and i'm feeling more empty how did you see this for for the first time yeah so i was living in la and i i was working in the fashion industry uh and i did really well like i was younger and like i met good enough money for me i traveled all over the world um but what i saw is that like all like the owners that i used to make deals with and like the employees it didn't matter really their position, they all had the same anxieties as me. We're all living from like this future that hasn't happened. We're all trying to get something that, that, that there isn't. So I was kind of like, I didn't have to go through all the layers, the ladder of success to find it empty. But what happened is I went uh, to live in Bali for a couple months to study yoga. And I met some of my teachers from India and they were like just so pure and honest. And they were just happy, aware, being present, watching and I was like wow this is possible you know and they're not like even they weren't even self-realized they were just present and aware and simple like a child uh so and I was like really lucky because many yoga teachers they just learn the philosophy but not the experience of it so even in the yoga world and I teach yoga and all of this it's still a trap because they use their postures and they use beautiful words to see look at me So they're still trying to be a better yogi, a better meditator. So the trap is the same on business, on yoga, or on even being humble. It doesn't really matter. So, so what I found is that the most profound change is always in perspective. It's never in circumstances. And that to me is true power. And that's my work. And that's what I'm doing. Because if I try to change my circumstances... Right there and then, I'm putting myself in a disempowering position because I'm saying, as when everything is going according to what I want, then I'll be happy. That's what you're implying. And that's, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just exhausting because you'll find yourself trying to control everything around you. And I didn't get like the message that you're in charge of the universe, right? <laughs> so it's like just this mutual uh, uh, thing. And it all comes from the way you relate to yourself. And that's cool because you can live. And one thing that my teacher always tells me is that you can have everything you want. You just cannot be attached to it. And that's cool because it's not either fighting with having or not having. It's beyond both. It's not doing or not doing. It's beyond both. It's just being. And that to me, it's really beautiful. So you can be with whatever it is and you can have whatever you want. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I forgot the name of the the author i think the uh, someone you quoted in your book that said that greatness means committing yourself to 
fully committing to to something but becoming a, unattached to the outcome. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, one of my teachers, Peter Crone. Uh, he it's the name of my second chapter. It's called "Fully Committed, Totally Unattached." That's mm. his quote. Um, and yeah, it's like I'm fully committed to creating the life I want, but I'm totally unattached to the result. It's a pretty cool way to live. But to me, something that I went even deeper of that quote is that being, and we were talking about it before the podcast, to be unattached to the result, and if you want to go a little deeper, you have to be okay with every outcome. And many times we're so afraid to fail that we're not okay. So because they teach us, you have to win at all costs. So in order for you to be worthy, you think you have to do something. And then you're like, oh, if I don't do anything, I don't wear anything. And what I'm saying is that your body is inherent because you're unique. You're, you're here. You're looking at the universe from your own perspective. So it's like, I like to put this example. This is on my second book that is not published yet. But it's like when you were a baby and you walk and you fail again, right? And then you walk again and then you fail again. But you never you weren't concerned about failing. You were concerned about walking. Mm-hmm. You wanted to walk. You, like you fail, it's, it's cool. But now as an adult, we have this fear of failure so strong that runs our subconscious because it's not even conscious. And we can use pretty cool words and say it's because I really am passionate and I care about people and I care about this and that. Mm-hmm. But to me, comes from a deeper fear that I'm not going to be worthy if I don't succeed. So by making, to me, true freedom is being okay with every outcome. That to me is a cool place to live. And of course, I'm not saying that you're going to try to fail. That would be just stupid. Try to succeed. Try to do your best, but be okay with whatever happens. And even in the process of whatever you want to create, it takes the seriousness out of it and you keep in flow because you're just playing. You're, you're, you're doing whatever you're doing. So that's like a cool, yeah. I love that. And it, it's before I get to my very first question, you know, whatever, right now what you're saying really is, really interesting and i'm curious from your perspective this is more of on a macro scale but from what i i'm sensing from you is that it seems that the the, the fear of failure has been a, something we adopted for ourselves it's not in itself a natural law it's not natural like gravity let's say but we've adopted it as you know we have to maximize our path on earth to succeed and if we fail we're a failure and we're worth nothing so when did we lose track when when like on a on a societal level we associated our worth with how much we're worth what do we accumulate if we're successful or not when when did you see this shift in our perspective yeah so when we were kids you weren't concerned about it you're just playing the ground there, there were not even a score you just play outside like just hanging out uh and it's the way we've been programmed with no fault of anyone's program it's just the way it is so it's not even a condemnation of someone mm-hmm. and in fear it's the main mechanism that the mind uses when it's when it, it, it proceeds danger so it, it actually during our biology has a has a usage like if i'm gonna get in danger my uh system activates this uh my parasympathetic nervous system and then i can get away I have adrenaline or adrenaline. So uh, fear is it's inherent in the system, but psychological fear, the one that I'm talking about, is the one that it serves no purpose because as a child, you had to learn 
for example, to you're crossing the street and you have to uh, look both ways. Yeah, that's part of, of survival. But now as, as adults, we, we have all the rules already inside. Like, you know, if you're driving, you have to break on. Like, it's not that you need to think about it. They're already inherent. But what happened is that they're, um, they're letting, we think the theory is real. And if we analyze, and I t- talk about this in, in Life is Setting Up for Success, yeah. there's a chapter that is called Whatever You're Scared Of, It's Based on a Lie. And I put this example that I really like that if we if we were living right now uh, in the time when we thought that the earth was flat, yeah. what would you be scared of? What would be your fear? Of falling, falling of the falling. Of course, you're like this is certain. Like I don't want to fall. But some someone told us no, the earth is round, and that fear instantly vanished. Mm. So that that is a really cool insight because fear exists in perspective in your imagination. So it's not even real, you know, and the physical fear, you'll be so in the present moment, taking care of yourself that you, you don't have to think about it. Like if some, if I see danger, I'm going to like, if I live in Mexico City, if there's an earthquake, I go out. I don't need to think about it. I just go out, you know, but I don't need to think about that's my memory and my imagination. So if you start looking at your own mind, you will find so many cool things because it's kind of like, that's what I teach that the, the mechanics of the mind, how does this work? Why do I believe what I believe? Why am I really? What, who is this entity who's chasing all of these things? And what is chasing things implied that I don't have them? So it's kind of like sitting, and that was my process. I saw it all inside my mind, and that's how I express it through like really simple language people can relate. Wow. And I believe in that same chapter, you discuss another example, which is what if we get into a hotel And the light is turned off, and then we see like a, a it's kind of like a snake in the, in the floor. Yes, we will go running and with the hotel staff and scream, "There's a snake! There's a snake!" And we just turned on the light, and it was a rug. And like you say, part of of what we're trying to do with reading life is setting me up for success is switching that light up, and understanding that we can overcome that psychological fear, which pretty much it, it, this is maybe of the spiritual conversation in a rational way, it's really driving most of our lives. And you can see it in the whole societal levels, like politics, economics, social uh, conversations, you know, we're just at odds with each other, but that's another conversation in itself. You Previously, you discussed about perspective shifting, which is a very huge theme in Life is Setting Me Up for Success and in your ideas, Victor. And one of those perspective shifting ideas that really got to me was you spoke about four levels of perspectives. Level one, which is everything is happening to me. Two is everything is happening for me, which like you said before we started recording, most of the people and including me, we just stay there. But then you add two more, which is level three, everything is happening through me. And the last one is everything is happening as me. Can you care to explain those four levels and, you know, what do you mean when you say everything is happening as me? Yeah, so let's go, like, just dissect that that thing because it's, a, like, a really cool idea. So in that chapter, the name of the chapter is Light is Relationships. And it's such a, it's one of my favorite topics because life is about how I relate to everything else. So my experience of life 
how I relate to myself, to my body, to money, to my mom, my friends. It's the way I'm going to experience it, right? And sometimes I, I have better relationship in some topics. For example, I can see many people that I talk to, they have a great relationship with their wives, but a horrible relationship with their work, you know? So the stages that I talk about, they're not linear. So you just need to be aware where you're at. So you're probably one step behind as what you think, right? So people say like, uh, if I have a bad relationship with my work, that it goes deeper I mean, like life is happening to me. My boss is doing this to me and this is happening and I cannot get it, you know? But then with my wife, everything is amazing. So it's not linear that everything is going. It can be the other way around. You love your work, but your wife is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Heard that many times. <laughs> so, uh, or the guy, the guy's probably worse. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I'm just laying my experiences through life and the way I related to everything. And I had tried to put it in simple words that it's like the, those four states of consciousness. So it is about how you relate to different things. So life is happening to me. It's a victim mindset. And it's kind of like I have no power um, and I'm a victim of circumstances. So I need to try to control. But basically, it's my boss, it's my wife, it's the money, it's the politics, it's this, it's that. It's never you. And to me, real power starts in perspective. It's the way I perceive it. Why? Because the way I relate to everything is the way I feel it. Many people fail and they're happy. Okay, I'll move on. They took care of, you know, it's not like bad things don't happen. They do. It, it, it just happens, but it's the way you relate to them. Uh, so when you relate and you have like this relationship to something that's life is happening for you, it's like when like, it's going to work out even if it doesn't work out. My girlfriend dumped me, I get another girlfriend. Or I'm fine by myself or like, I, I got fired from my job. I got another job where I'll create, like, there's no fear inherent because it's like, okay, I'm going through adversity. I'll go through it in that area of your life. So that's kind of like life is happening for you. You start to realize that your perspective is the way you perceive things. And once you realize that, there's power because that's pretty cool. You're no longer a victim. So you can do anything to me. And I was like, okay, cool. It's not that I'm, I'm not going to respond in the way I think it's accurate, but there is no, it, it's fine, you know, I accept life as it is. The fourth one, it, it's kind of like the experience when I have, when I teach or when I write my books or give my talks or my workshops, that is like life is happening through me. Here, I, 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 the experience is that it's not intellectualizing and I'm not thinking about goals or manifesting or like that's the second level. That's why I, I don't think about, about that and I don't teach it because you're still confining the same perspective. For example, if I'm someone that relates to life that I'm not worthy and I need to do something in order to be worthy and then I get a million dollars, now I'm going to be someone with a million dollars that is not worthy. <laughs> and it's pretty funny to see because you can watch. It doesn't matter how much money you have, but you can watch that. And in our society, it's pretty weird when you look at it that one guy, imagine the same guy who relates to themselves and to life that they're not enough. So one guy start drinking to feel the pain, not a bit, and the other guy starts doing a workaholic and he succeeds in the world. But as far as I'm concerned, because the way I see life is about revealing the limitations that we have and transcending it so we can share it with everyone else, as far as we, from that point of view, these two guys haven't gone anywhere because they're still relating to themselves as insufficient. They're still projecting their own fears and insecurities into life. Just one is going through the bottle and the other one is going through work. So it's 
so it's such a perspective thing depends on when you look at it. But in our society, one is rewarded and the one and the other one is condemned. And to me, they're both suffering. So it's, it's it doesn't even matter. Um, so that's why uh, when life is happening through you, it's, it's such a cool experience because you're just a channel. It's just happening, and you're just watching it happen. So it's not rationalized. And you were asking me advice about like writing your book and everything, and that's kind of like share my experience of, of when I teach and write and everything. It's like I quiet my mind and I just let it through. And it's such an amazing experience because then you're not limited by your mind. Because I also talk about it in, in the book and I'm going to try to cover as much as, as we can that our rational mind is limited by my memory. So everything that I can think is already the past. Everything that I'm thinking is just an accumulation of information. So it's not true creativity. It's not creation. So in order for me to create something, I need to be silent. I need to be quiet. I need to be empty. And all the, the sutras and all the ancient texts says this. They say it over and over again. But now we think that it's about getting more information or getting it right instead of actual practicing. And this is what I was going to get. It's like our minds are like a program, like a computer, and they get good at that what you practice. So if you practice acceptance, you'll be good at it. If you practice resistance, you'll be good at it. And most of our, we win programs to resist life. It's never life is enough into itself. We, you always want something else. So what happens is like we practice resistance for most of our days, for years and years and years. And then we read a book and we do a course and we think the mind, our minds are going to change like this. And that's just simply a lie. You literally, you, you are good at what you practice. So my teaching is practice acceptance. Develop a mind, and in Buddhism they call it an equanimous mind because it's it's a mind that doesn't contract, but it's the same idea that if you develop a mind that accepts life as it is, and you can move to change because that's another topic that you cannot move to change when you accept life as it is. And that's simply not true. You just accept everything as it is, and then you move to change and create whatever you want. Um, I don't know if I went off topic, but no, that was great. You were you went into the four levels and the one that I I believe we can get a bit more thoroughly is the transition from through me, everything is happening through me to everything is happening as me. For, for yeah. Do you want to expand a bit more on that? Yeah, of course. I, I just wanted to remind or rem like remind you guys that this relationship depends on what are you relating to. Because it's not an absolute, we're not enlightened. I don't teach enlightenment, I'm not enlightened. But I teach higher consciousness because once you start seeing, you stop suffering. It's pretty cool. Who doesn't want that, right? When you accept everything, but you stop suffering. Yeah. Um, so it's how you relate to things. And it's the same example. But I can be in flow in my work, but I can have a horrible relationship with my wife. And I can be in not state of duality that I'm going to explain with my children or whatever. So ask me is when there is no more separation anymore. This experience of what one. So that's like one of the coolest experiences you can you can have because then everything you see is a part of yourself. And you're kind of watching how you are everything unfolding. So it's a pretty cool experience when, when that happens. Many people uh, got that experience through drugs, uh, ayahuasca or plant medicine or whatever. Uh and the problem about them is not that I haven't done it or I, 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 don't, I don't have many thoughts about it. The only thing that I have seen with that 
is that people who take drugs think that insight is the is the answer. So you see something and you think that's it, I'm cured. Again, if you see the insight is the opportunity for you to do the work. So if you see a pattern in your own mind, of oh, cool. Now you can change it. If you cannot see it, you cannot change it. So my whole work, and when I work with one-on-one people, is that is to making them aware of what they cannot see so they can practice living from this new space. So it's kind of like if you look at your mind and it's confining a prison of your own perspective, once you expand your perspective, you can live from that. Per- you have to practice it so you can live from that perspective. And then you can get rid of more prisons of prisons until you're free to just be. So that's kind of like the word. That's very deep, Victor. And it's amazing, right? (laughs) No, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's just the possibility that once we can connect in a different way with ourselves, we connect with others as we are. And that in itself, it's amazing because naturally speaking as we are we're not beings of 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 division you know we're 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 one if i see you as me there's no way i'm going to be trying to harm you or 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 divide with you and we can get into duality you spoke about duality right now so we can understand what that is for for our listeners who haven't read life is setting me up for success and what do you mean by that but the possibility of of a perspective shifting is is very important and, and exciting. Yes, to me, it's it's the most, and that's why I'm so passionate about my work, because it's the most transformational thing, because you see everything in a different way. So everything changes in that sense, even yeah. if everything remains the same. Um, and you said the word connect, and I just would like to say relate, because okay. it's a relationship. It can be as the way you see things. And my work is a lot through language. So what I, because the way you speak is the way you relate to yourself. So for example, when someone says, love uh, is really hard in my life, but there's not, uh, there's not good men in Miami, right? It's a common statement. <laughs> That's not a truth because you don't know every man in Miami. You've probably met someone that wasn't nice. So you have a painful experience. But what is that saying is that you believe you're not worthy of love. So there's no one out there. But you see how I blame the outside instead of seeing. So that this is how I use my cues when I speak to people or when I do like one-on-ones or in a small group. That it's the way they speak. Like the word is so powerful. And even in all the scripture, it says it. Um, and the words like abracadabra, you know, the magicians, it means literally spell. So your words are spell. So one of the things that I teach is that be really careful how the way you speak about yourself and everything else, because you're literally creating. So that's that's why I mean language. When I like language is so such a part of of my cues to see how people talk is the way how they relate. So I, I just wanted to to say that because um, it came to my mind. But uh, oh yeah, so duality. Mm-hmm. So if you just look at the universe where we are, everything has. Two opposites, right? Right, wrong, left, right, day, night. Um, and the way you relate to them is the way you create. So you need two to you need that duality to create something. Uh, the problem is that uh, most people 
uh, only want to experience one part of duality by denying the other one. And that's really dangerous because what happens is that you start repressing all these emotions. There's actually a new chapter of my new book that is called The Artificial Gratitude because uh, everybody's teaching gratitude. You have to be grateful. You have to be grateful. Write three things that you're grateful every day and you'll become a millionaire and just the love of your life. It's all these cliches that they teach. But what happens is that if, if, if gratitude becomes a, gratitude is a state of awareness. It's, a, it's an experience. It's not a, an act that I do. It's like love. How can I, if I want to love you, maybe I love you, maybe I don't, I don't know. But if I'm open enough, I will love you because it's an experience. Something happens in me that I feel it. It's not something that I can manufacture. So when we have idealized ideas like gratitude or love, is that we're trying to be in one side of duality only. And what happens is that our these ideas create repression inside us. So if I believe I, I am a kind person, how can I be angry? So what happens is that you tell me something, I am angry, but I don't express I'm a kind, right? So I put my energy down. And what and we store all of these emotions in our energetic body, and then it becomes a tornado and you explode. So that that happens a lot because we don't understand duality. Because we, we think we always should be happy and never sad. And to me, and Buddha put it really cool. He calls it the middle way, if you read Buddhism. But I kind of like to change the name because people think that being in the middle way is like being in the middle of duality, right? Like here's good, here's bad, or the other way, and you're in the middle. But the way I like to explain it, it's like the total way. When you're in the good, be totally good. When you're in the bad, be totally bad. And experience life in all depths because they all have its beauty. And it's really cool to see that pain is not suffering. Sadness is not suffering. It's just sadness. But if I resist sadness, now it's suffering. If I resist pain, now it's suffering. So it's a cool distinction. And I remember I learned this many years ago when I used to go out, party, and drink. I remember that the next day when I was hangover, this is 10 years ago, everybody, like of my friends, they were like, oh, I'm so hangover. This sucks. And I was like, this is amazing. I can watch TV, order Uber Eats, just hang out. Because I was always doing so. So I, I used to enjoy my hangovers. And everybody was saw me. I was insane. I was like, "What is you?" Like, yeah, I'm just here. Like, what? What do you wanted to do? Like, it's fine. So I even remember back then that I I wasn't like as I couldn't express it, but I did found that when whenever you accept something, even a hangover, and yeah, my heart hurt, my head hurt, but when, once I accepted, it stopped hurting that much, and then it was cool, and I was, and then I took a nap. So it was like a painful experience as being a hangover. It was really enjoyable for me. And that's, I just teach from my own experience. I don't teach things that I don't know. So that's why it's kind of like I shared it through this. Wow. One of, of my favorite books from Life is Setting You Up for Success, and it discusses what we're talking about now, is that everything that exists in, it, in this physical dimension has a dualistic nature. Everything. And yeah. part of, of, of understanding that can also allow us to embrace that dualistic nature of ourselves. Like you say, when we're sad, we should be sad. We shouldn't be putting, uh, you know, lashing us out uh, in the back, just uh, being sad about being sad, you know, adding meta-sadness to our sadness. So but you're already sad, just be sad, which is... Yeah, there's nothing wrong about it, exactly. Just yeah. be. And, and if, you, if you see, like, a lot of, like, really cool poetry, music, art, come from this experience. So if you're not allowing yourself to be sad, you are missing out like 
really cool things from the human experience. And once you can be with it and sit with it without trying to change it, just watch it, it's good. sadness, for example, is going to re reveal its secrets to you. And then you're going to find like something really deep. Because, for example, sadness has something that happens, but sometimes it's deeper. When you're sad, you're like deep. And when you're happy, you're more, a little more artificial, mm -hmm. for example. You're just happy. So, what I'm saying is to taste both. Yeah. Enjoy it, taste it, be totally sad. What's the problem? There's no problem. But the problem is that in the culture, in Instagram, TikTok, there's this constant uh, idea of always be grateful, always be grateful, always be grateful. And it's like, no, what if I'm not? There's nothing wrong. Right into this a byproduct. It's not a knack. And once you can see that the true jewels of consciousness are by love's a byproduct. I cannot decide I'm in love with someone. And if I try to be in love with someone, she's going to resent me because she's going to be, this guy is fish. What is, what is he doing? But if I allow myself to be open without being afraid to close down, I'm going to experience love because love is everywhere. So what's on the way between me and love is my own defense systems that are in my mind. And that's back of the higher consciousness approach that it's the underlying perspective is that there's nothing wrong. And in the personal growth perspective, if you go a little deeper, then it's implying that as it is right now, it's never right. You need to change something, accomplish something, be something in order to, for you to experience and enjoy the glory of who you are. So it just, it's, it's a dynamically different approach. And there's practices of, of personal growth that they're great because it, it keeps, you can watch your mind or not having failure patterns or not having victim oriented thoughts or, but there is a point that you get stuck in it and you're busy all the time. For example, in the yoga and in the spiritual world, they're all the time busy healing. And they're always healing. You go there, I'm going to heal. The other guy comes and like, dude, where are you going to live? Like you, you come here to enjoy, not to heal. And I'm not saying that healing doesn't happen because healing actually comes from the world whole. So every time you're whole, you're healed. When you're not divided inside of you and back again, Sadness is wrong. This is right. When I'm whole, I'm holy. Even that word comes from that. Holy, whole, healing. It's the same thing. But it comes from being total, being 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 a hundred percent what it is uh right now. You touched on two ideas that really resonate, and I want to get deeper into those, which are the concept of holy and you discuss it in Life is Setting Me Up for Success as the approach that many people have talked about, but you describe in a different way, this approach, this holistic approach to life. And I would that would be my first question, which is how would you describe that approach into life, that holistic approach to life? And the second one, I keep thinking, you know, on my own perspective, on my, I keep feeling that when I'm sad, And I tell, for example, my friends, my close, my family, other people, you know, even in the grocery store, if, if you know, I see someone and they see me as someone being sad, the, and if I see someone sad, even myself, the first reaction that we try to do is make them feel better, you know, try to soothe them and try to take them away from that, from that feeling of sadness. So... Those two questions, my, if you want to go first into the holistic one, which is what's a holistic approach to life, or you can go for the second one, which is, you know, how do I myself 
engage with others who are just in not in a different mood than me and trying rather than trying to fix it or just put an advil to it a tylenol you know a quick fix yeah. how how can we just become more you know in sync in those kind of ways yeah. so the just the first let, let's address the first one first the holy to me it's so funny because even the definition of holy is wrong like to me there's not such thing as holy or everything is holy or nothing is holy Then you said a holistic, that that's a different word. But the holy idea that some people are holy and the other people are not holy, to me, it's bullshit. There's no holiness, you know? There's a holiness. It's different. Holiness being total, that holiness being better off because I'm the messenger of God, whatever you want to believe. Um, so, and yeah, the holistic approach is just a total approach. Be, totality is, the, uh, and this is like my teacher always tells me, And it's like totality is the recipe of success in anything you want to do. The same in spirituality, in enlightenment, in higher consciousness, in business. When you do something total, you're not thinking about the future. You're not. You're just doing it total. So you approach something with totality. So we were discussing about your book, for example, that yeah. you're almost finished it, but you were thoughts about this and that. That's not, you're divided. If you watch yourself, you're divided where you are and where you want to be. You're divided And there's not, a, with that TV short, you're creating, you're, you're blocking the flow of the energy of the ideas. So that to me is the holistic approach. It's like the total approach. Do it with no, just do it the best as you can. Be okay with failing. It's fine. Be okay with every outcome. And then you're free to create everything. How, how free would you feel if you accept every outcome of whatever you do? No, I'm totally free, and I've I felt that before. You know, I've I've been in those those moments where I just spit everything that was inside of me, and then all of a sudden it became another project, and I started thinking about the possibilities of failure and all of those ideas. Exactly. So, and and even right now, like in the absence of the idea of failing, because you make it okay, so now you're not thinking it. So imagine I tell now that there's no way you can fail impossible what would you create right now like your book how would that look that book would look I, i would literally i would publish myself i would try to do on my own like try to to keep that essence of me i wouldn't try to tailor it for for the market i wouldn't try to tailor it for a commercial aspect i would just put it away you know, publish it and see where it lands and, you know, if it does an impact or if it doesn't do an impact, it would just yeah. be a, a project of itself. But that's still talking about the future. So let me rephrase the question. How would you feel right now in the process of creating your book in the absence of the idea of, of failure? Like if you could not fail, right? Because you even took a breath. I saw the freedom in you. You're like, ah, that would be amazing, right? If I could just express myself without any concerns. So from this space that you're feeling, and I'm holding the present for you so you can just see it, how powerful you are. It's incredible. And the thing is, nothing has happened. We're still talking here. You haven't wrote anything new. But your perspective have expanded just a little in 10 seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like what I want to point out to people, that it's, in the absence of these ideas, is if I remove my fear of failure, if I remove my fear of my trying to be worthy, my own worth, if I just, because they're all lies, they're not a truth. 
It's just a form of story that you program. And that's the way you survive. It's not even wrong. Like as a child, you develop these stories because you need to protect yourself. But right now, the problem is that if you walk through the world protected, you won't be able to perceive love because you're too close out, you're too defensive. So it's much of the work is about taking down defenses. And of course, you're vulnerable. You're going to feel a lot more, but it doesn't even matter because you make it okay. Oh, actually, that's a good one because for the people that said your second part of the question, yeah. what do you do when people are sad? My response would be nothing. You just be there. Allow everything to be. And it's so cool because to me, the best gift you can give someone is your presence. Mm. So when you're there, without thinking, so you're just there, just allowing whatever it is and allowing it to happen, it's such a beautiful gift. And so when someone is sad, instead of saying, oh, it, it will be better, you don't know that, maybe it's some worse. Maybe, the, I don't know, your boyfriend dumped you and then he's going to get mad. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And many people lie in order for other people to feel better about their own thing. So to me, it's not about comfort and say, oh, it's all okay. No, it's about allowing without promising, you know, without promising something you don't know, you don't need to lie. You can just be there with. So that's kind of like my approach with everything. It's acceptance. So you're sad. I, I accept that you're sad. I don't want to change it. It, it. It's the way it is. But it's that's why the alchemy of energy is so cool because acceptance is the transformation. So once you accept your anger, the same energy transforming to compassion. But if I repress my anger because I need to be compassionate, there's, there's not true compassion. I'm manufacturing, again, I'm manufacturing. But wow. And then I explode. And then my ego, I'm a humble guy trying to save everyone because, it, you know, so you're just in another ego that is not wrong, but it's just not powerful. It's not real. Victor, you blew my mind with life is setting me up for success. Jano, <laughs> doubling down on that. That's that's amazing. And I keep the, the the question that I had was, or rather, I wanted to point out one of my favorite concepts of life is setting me up for success, which was right now you mentioned it, being present with someone. It's literally a present. Presencia in Spanish. Present. <laughs> it, it, it's the presence of being with someone. You're giving a gift. And that that reframing, like that 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 thought process, that perspective shifting can change a lot, and it changed yeah. for me. And the biggest gift you're giving it is to yourself, because it's nothing cooler to give to be there for someone. So actually, you need to be thankful for the other, not the other way around that you're helping the other. It's the other way around, because again, if you understand this dualistic nature, how can I experience myself? as a lover, as I am, if I'm the only one in the universe. I couldn't, I need to relate. So the way I relate to you, thank you, because now I can experience who I truly am. And that's, to me, the whole thing. We, this is a dualistic nature, and, and in where we are, the dualities are so strong that like sometimes it's, it's like up and down. But once you can be above them, watching them, experiencing them in its full depth, both of them are, are amazing because what unites duality is love. So like, like Christians, for example, they talk about the Trinity. So to, for creation, the movement of duality is the Trinity. It's where we are in love. In, in like the Hindus, they talk about Shiva, Vishnu, and, and Brahma. That's the same, the three duality nature. Even if you go to physics and you see an atom, 
you see the proton, the neutron, and the electron. So everything in this dimension works in the connection of duality. And we are that connection of duality, which means love. So we are love. So it's pretty cool. We're the whole thing. And if we go higher, we're nothing. <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> but wow, um, that's that's amazing. A lot to think about, and I've the the the, the we discussed previously, and you wanted to get in more in depth into it, and I think it's a perfect place to to do that now. Is this idea of the rational mind kind of usually serving as a block? serving as a blockage, as a barrier between us, our creative abilities, our creative nature, and, and you know, feeling love and being love, like, like what you just said now. But my question for you is, I'm curious to know, because the mind is a powerful tool in itself. So should we discern the mind? Should we just, I, I mean, not repress the mind, not say no, but this idea that we are rational beings, what's how would should we engage with that conversation and with our relationship yeah. with the mind? So I ha there's a chapter in Life is Setting Me Up for Success that's called The Doorway to Your Intelligence is Your Heart. Yeah. Uh, and like there's this guy, famous philosopher in his card that said, I think, therefore I am. Yeah. And he got it wrong. You are, therefore you think. So it's like that change of that change of being first and then thinking, it just like The, the mind is not the brain. It's a different thing. Your brain, and you're, you're talking about your neocortex. So the neocortex, it's a, it's, a, it's a tiny place in the brain that it has its function, and the function of the neocortex is to divide things. That's why we know things, because we divide knowledge, we divide science, it's biology, physics, but it's one nature, but we divide it in our minds. There, if you look at the universe from, from outside, to the earth there's no biology or chemistry or physics it's one thing but we are mind by and it's fine because that's the way we can experience it and the way we are right now it's fair enough that we try to discover what the world is and that's what science is so fair enough the approach of science trying to discover everything i'm not against you on the contrary but there's also a science to your interiority that's meditation all these great things And it's a science, as well as the outside side, the subjective side, not the objective side. And your heart, um, like, for example, the intelligence of your body is insane. Like, literally 100 million cells die and reborn every, like, three seconds. It's crazy. <laughs> But you're not doing it. You're not thinking about it. You're not consciously breathing. If not, you would be dead. You're not beating your heart. Who's doing? Who's pumping your blood to your body? Your own intelligence. But your intelligence is not necessarily your rationality. On the contrary, if it was for your rationality, you would be dead. For sure, you would forgot to breathe sometime and like you die. So intelligence and intellect are two different things. There's an intelligence of your own system. You don't even have to go out and just look at the wonders of your own body that is rejuvenating itself, constantly killing bacteria, doing all these cool things. And actually, the God they say like inside the second brain of the body because the gut, like all your gut bacteria and everything. And that's where like intuitive decision happens when you're not thinking and you're open and you're like, oh, I wonder if this happens. I wonder if I... So once you're open, intelligence blossoms. Intelligence comes from silence. It cannot come through the mind because the rational mind, I, I, I speak, 
because the mind, by its own nature, divides and intelligence is when you unite it, or when you intelligence is creation, not destruction. It's like the different approach. So the and the mind by itself, it's a processor of information. So it just that's why it's like a funny example. But like if you're walking on a park and then you see a dog, and that dog was the dog of your girlfriend, so now you think of your girlfriend, and then the girlfriend dumped you, so now you feel like that, and then you think you could do something different. You could be great, and like your mind took you to an insane trip. And nothing has happened. You just saw a dog. <laughs> so that's why it's so funny once you start. Anal- it's not about analyzing the mind because that you're, you're still caught in the same realm. So a lot of psychology, and he has his, his place. I'm not even against it, but what's, and, and there's like a, a really cool chapter in Life is Setting Up for Success that is the only problem you have is believing you have one. Mm. So if you really get that, what I'm saying, it's amazing because if I talk about my problems and then I, re- what, what is actually doing, I'm reinforcing that there's something wrong and I need to fix it. And then my mind starts thinking and I lose my intelligence in my mind, inside my own mind. So to me, it's not about analyzing the mind. It's about witnessing the mind. And that's the scientific approach. It's the same. A scientist wants to study bees. They watch the bees and all, and by observation, understanding arises, not by conclusion. It doesn't, the scientist says, the bees are going to crawl. No, you, oh, they fly. Okay, they fly. Now you know, because you watch them. So exactly the same when you watch your mind with no content, just watch it. And you will find some funny things because you will find the liar inside of you. You will find the killer. You will find the crook. And you will find, like, all of these things that we condemn on the outside. They're inside your head. They're inside your mind. I can see all of them. I decide not to serve them. I decide not to cheat because I'm cheating myself. I decide not to lie because what's the point? Yeah. But it's not that it's not there. So at the beginning, when you start seeing all these things inside you, it's so fascinating and many people want to reject it because, wow, it's like, wow, the devil is literally inside in the devil in a simple way. Because you can see the cheat, the murder, the this, the that inside of you. Uh, so by watching, intelligence arises. By meditation, and meditation is only being aware of what is real. By being in reality, watching the bread, that my bread is real. What I think about it, it's not, but my bread it is. Uh, watching, I don't know, the trees or like my footsteps or whatever I want, but living inside my mind. And this is what I go back to that whatever you practice, you become good at. So if I'm practicing being in reality, and it's way nicer than living inside the matrix of your mind, life is cool. Oh, somebody cheat me. Cool. They did it. I'm not saying I'm going to allow it again, but like, it's just, I, I cheat. I have it. I've seen it. So I'm not condemning and I'm not at war anymore with the world. And what is cool about it is that I'm actually being what I want to experience, no matter what the outside world. Oh, so that's kind of cool. Interesting. Guy, it's really cool, Victor. Yeah. I don't know if I could say it better than that. <laughs> no, that's a mind blown. And one of the of the quotes from Life is Setting Me Up for Success that, that comes to mind that summarizes what you just said and, and it's really useful for me is that paradoxically, the removal of, of, of all judgment arises to freedom, gives out freedom. And that yeah. freedom in itself is what you describe now, the freedom to be creative, to be you and also to to explore all of the facets of, of ourselves 
so we can explore those personalities and like you say if if i felt that if i've been the cheater if i've been the liar how can i cast you know judgment on others you know it's it just changes differently and the conversation becomes a positive one you know m maybe it doesn't mean that because a lot of people when we talk about this kind of, of, of topics they say okay well so now you know that people cheat are you going to allow them to cheat all your life you're going to allow them to step you know in your toes all your life and it's it's not the message is not that in itself right yeah of course of course it's like like they cheat you they're, like there's a chapter in my new book that it's called so what so it's like somebody lied to me so what what's the problem like I'm not saying I'm going to allow it because one thing that when once you start becoming a little more conscious, and because what I'm teaching basically is maturity, being mature and responsible for your own mind. And once you see that the world, the world we're living, it's pretty immature. It's not wrong. So I don't, I don't, it's just immature because they're still living inside their mind in all these prisons. And if you don't put boundaries into immature people, they're going to walk all over you. So but you can put a boundary without being angry. You can be open and say, this is how it is. But there's no reason for me to be angry. There's no reason for me to condemn you. And that, Because what happens is like somebody cheat you, right? And then you resolve the situation. You're like, okay, there's a partnership. You cheat me or like, okay, we're going to separate. Yeah. When I accept it, the, the, the story is gone. There's no more story. He cheated. This is what happened. And I accept it. But if I haven't, total acceptance means end of story. But if I haven't accepted, what's going to happen? I'm going to, this guy or this girl, she cheated and she did this and she, victim mindset right away, right? She did that to me and what it did and th this and that. Um, and it, that's why I'm saying once you accept it, I'm not saying go back to her or if you want to go do whatever you want, but you're not fighting with the world because you're not fighting within yourself. You're accepting everything. And that's, to me, because I found it in my own experience, when I'm in complete acceptance, I can move to change. I can do whatever I want. I actually can do it more powerfully because my mind is not resisting anything. I'm free. So what happens? I can think. I can see more possibilities. I can move this way, move that way. I'm not avoiding any scenario because I'm not afraid because I'm in acceptance. Because you know, so that that it, it's really important what you're saying because acceptance and like accepting all of like for example. And, and if you go even deeper, you see that we have this belief system because my work is about ongoing belief systems. And we have this belief system that the world is fair. It's not. I don't know what world you think you live in, but it's the world is an amazing place once you accept it. But I'm not, I, 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 I'm not naive enough, and I was before, that I thought the world was. It's not fair. So what? Well, you know, I accept the world, and that's why I enjoy the world. And I love it. I, I don't have an underlying belief system that I think it must be the way I think it should. It's just the way it is. It's fair? No, it's not. And whoever, like, if you want your kids to suffer, teach them that the world is fair. Because that belief system is going to, literally, they're going to encounter their experience of the world. People are going to cheat. They're going to steal. They're going to do all of these things. Yeah, that's the, but what's the, so what? Wow. Um... Victor, cool, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the other uh, in in life is setting me up for success is this idea that you know this paradigm 
that what we discuss right now in one of the chapters is that we believe life is like a sports. Like if, if we treat people, yeah. we treat life as a sports game. You know, it's a zero sum game. I win, you lose. You lose, you win, I lose. And you talk about this very profound insight, which is life is an infinite game. So for our listeners who are not familiar with this concept, how what do you mean when we treat life as a sports game and how do we yeah. shift into an infinite game? Yeah, so that idea came from a guy, this is called James Clear, it's from the 60s. When I was when I was reading all the, the psychology, philosophy, scripture, quantum mechanics, like everything kind of connected in my mind. So to me, he he developed this uh the, he differentiate these two types of games. The games that are finite and the games that are infinite. So there's finite games that we play is reality, which are like a sports game. And they have their own rules. The rules are they have a winning and a and a losing team. There's a there's a time frame, there's referees, there's set rules. And so the Lakers and the basketball, right? That's a that's a finite game. And we know that the game came to an end when somebody wins mm-hmm. or draws or whatever, whatever the rules are. Uh, and the the infinite game he describes this uh, as there's not there's not uh, set of rules because the rules changes all the time. Players come in and out of the game, but the game always changes. And um, and the uh, the purpose of the game is for the game to keep playing. There's no winners or losers. So I put that example that business is an infinite game. For it's our love is anything. If you wanna, I put that perspective and put it in, like in my work. So that's why when we have a finite mentality that we see things of winning and losing, we take away the compound effect because it just, uh, it's like for example, if I if I go to the gym right now and I work out for eighteen hours, I'm gonna go back and I gotta see the mirror and I'm gonna see nothing. I'm gonna lose the same. But if I go to the gym every day for thirty years. For 30 minutes or a year, I'm going to look in the mirror. So to me, it's, life is about consistency. So that consistency is an infinite mentality because it's still taking away the pressure of the output. And like people say, for example, I want to make $100,000 this year. That's a limitation. Like your expectations are invisible ceiling that you're putting on yourself. So that's why without taking... And that's why I like this concept because it's like if we can expand and do not put limitations, of course, there are set little things. For example, when I teach uh, movement and handstands, I tell my students that they're never going to be good at my class. And they're like, what? Because I'm never, it's not about being good. The freedom in the discipline is now coming here. And when you become a good at something, I'm going to change the rules because I want you to keep playing. I, I don't want you to be serious. And that's how I do it myself. So it's the same in, that, in everything. Uh, and it comes from a concept of Buddhism, that of Zen, that it's called beginner's mind, it's called Shoshi. And the, to cultivate this beginner mind is to live in the I don't know. And it's so beautiful because it's, you don't know, it, your rational mind thinks it knows, but in reality, we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But if I can approach everything as a beginner, even your own work, like I'm a beginner, I'm just, see, your mind is going to look for possibilities. It's going to be in water like a child. It's not going to be closed. So in the expert's mind, it's always a beginner. You know, the, the, the expert that teaching knows it's closed. It's gone. It's boring. Who wants to be a beginner? Not me. Uh, who wants to be an expert? Not me. I want to be a beginner. So that's kind of the cultivation of the mind 
that I talk about the internet games and like the discipline and responsibility and all these things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because right now you touch about discipline and I wanted to, to ask you that question because it is paradoxical that when you discuss in life is setting me up for success, that discipline brings us freedom, that consistency brings us yeah. freedom, that constraints amplify our possibilities. So how is this related to the concept of infinite games and how is discipline actually a compounding effect multiplier in our lives? So this, the word discipline comes from the word disciple. That means the ability to learn. That's it. A disciplined mind is not the mind that is rigid. It's the mind that is free. But for you to have a disciplined mind, you have to cultivate the beginner's mindset. And I put this example because anything that you want to enjoy in this physical reality, uh, you need to cultivate skill. Like if I want to enjoy a bottle of wine, a 40-year uh, bottle of wine, I need to develop the palate to, to, to be able to perceive what, what it, to me, it's the same. I don't know. But to a guy who knows, he can enjoy it way more than for sure. So if you want to experience the jewels of, of being in this reality, you do have to develop skill. And, and that skill comes through discipline. If you want to learn any act, you have to be disciplined. And, and discipline to give the to give the definition of my teacher is you give yourself no choice. So this is what I'm going to do. And there's no thinking. You already decide what, you, what, what you're doing. So it is a pretty simple definition. Uh, and it, it comes from two things because what is discipline? It means I'm a disciple. I define myself as a student. So I cultivate my beginner's mind and I'm learning. That's a pretty cool place to live. And the other one, I give myself no choice. So I want to learn this and I have to wake up at this time. There's no negotiation. So I already decided. And of course, thoughts are going to come that are going to try to fight that. But if you already decided, you're cultivating something really cool inside your mind because you're cultivating being powerful because you're... Remember when I said the words you speak create the reality you live in? Yeah. That includes inside your mind. Your thoughts are words. Like your thoughts are literally words talking in your head. So when I say to myself that I'm going to do something and I do it, now I'm powerful. And it comes to discipline, but into the willingness. But if I tell, I, I say something and I don't do it, then it comes lots, no self worth, and I'm judging myself. And I did this and I did that. Uh, and to me, I teach freedom, which is being a both, both, because it's a joy to learn. But if one, you're, for example, you, you're doing a diet, I don't like that word because even how does it, the, the die in it? Like it's, it's just like, But whatever, if you want to take care of yourself, because the way I relate to myself is with self-love, yeah. I could eat a cake. I could, there's freedom in my discipline, but the tendency of my mind is going to be to take care of myself. And that's the discipline mind that I created. But the discipline that I define it such a different way, because it's not a duty. It's not something imposed by others. No one is telling me to be disciplined to their own rules. I'm being disciplined to my own being. And that to me is the highest form of prayer because I'm honoring my existence. Now I'm now I'm honoring who I am because I'm disciplined to my own voice, my own heart. So that's pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> Victor, as we you know, this is getting into I wouldn't have I will have to revisit this conversation because the mind blows are just 
too mind blowing. <laughs> but as we begin to to wrap up, Victor, my last question for you is, you know, one of your, I think your last chapter is obviously life is setting me up for success, and I'm curious to know, you know, looking back into your own trajectory and looking back into the book itself, what is one thing, what is one stepping stone we could all do to realize that life is setting up, setting us up for success? What is that one insight that our listeners can go, can leave this conversation with that can take that first step into changing that perspective, into realizing that life is setting up for success? Yeah, so that's why I say that it's all about your perspective and the way you relate to everything. But for me, the circumstances of my life are aligning to my own benefit. So whatever happens, the way I relate to what happens, it's for my own, maybe something cheat me, something is wrong. Like, I'm not saying everything is ideal, but the way I relate to it is for my own evolution. And I do think and experience that we're here to be freer for those things. So when you get angry or something happens that you get that internal state, Instead of judging it and start blaming, if you just watch and see what underlying belief system am I protecting, what is going on. So just by taking a moment, watch what program am I defending, what am I doing. So actually, the guy who stole from me is doing me a favor because he's telling me where I'm still not free. I still have these ideas that I'm caught. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing the game of higher consciousness and of freedom, life has no other choice but to be setting you up for success because it's revealing where you're not free all the time. So life is like, and that's to me that life, it's a revelation. It's a, it's revealing where I'm not, where am I still contracted? And how would I know that if it didn't happen a situation? That's why like in, in my mystery school and my teacher and all my lineage is that we go through life in the world, not renounce the world. Because if you're in a monastery or if you're trying to reach enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, outside the world, how would you know if you're free if someone lied to you in your face and you didn't react, right? So that's why being in the world, just with this perspective, it, it becomes awesome because now it's a game. Let's see where I'm not free. So that happens in my life all the time because when somebody gets me, and honestly, now it, it doesn't happen as often as it used But it's instead of saying like, oh, this guy or this girl is like, whoa, you got me. Let's see what underlying belief systems I have. And that's part of like my subconscious engineering program that I'm putting in my next books so you guys can actually see because it's not so it doesn't stay only philosophical, it starts in practical terms. Um, so that's gonna come to the world soon. Uh, but it's that it's likely setting me up for success. Why? Because it's revealing where I'm not free yet. So that that I would close with that. I think <laughs> that's perfect. That's a perfect way of closing. And I can't wait for your next book. And I want to thank you for you know writing life setting up for success. It was really it's been a really great read. I I told you I I just don't want it to finish because it's too powerful. And this conversation in itself was too powerful. And Victor, thank you so much for joining me. It's it's really exciting. It's really uplifting that, you know, we can have this conversation that it's trying to raise awareness into what we are and paradoxically realizing what we are 
with these emotions like joy, love, gratitude, you know, really the, the strength of these emotions can make us become a better version of ourselves, realizing what we are already, you know, not trying to project into the future, but, you know, yeah. part, part of this whole idea is that we, all of us are in it together. And like you say, we don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. For all I know is you and me are having a virtual conversation in a blue marble, in a vast ocean in the universe, while the earth is spinning yeah. around in a sun. And we're, we're taking ourselves a bit too serious in a in sometimes in a not productive manner for ourselves and these conversations and your book Victor Life is setting me up for success allow us to unleash our creative powers and that in itself can bring a better world at least that's my perspective so thank you for joining me today. yeah thank you for having me man and thank you for having this platform and like it, it's such a such a joy being take care my friend take care man <laughs>